Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? This is episode... 11. Why did you just show me two fingers? Well, it's a one and a one. That's oh. 11. If I was showing you two, I'd go with one hand. I thought you wanted to make the announcement. It's 11, episode 11. We now officially go to 11. It's pretty crazy. As per the... Mike one, Mike one, isn't this the Spinal Tap Kids? Um, <laughs> They'll get it eventually. Exactly. Google. Yeah, exactly. Google that. Um, welcome to episode 11 of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Camfield. Uh, this is where we discuss all things America from the perspective of a Brit living in the great state of Texas, joined by someone who is born and bred in Texas to add perspective. New York producer was messaging me the other day saying that he thought you were good and said that um, he likes the balance that you bring to the podcast. And I said, are you, are you suggesting I am not balanced? Well, that's only that's the only reason I'm here. I'm just here to balance. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, you're here, well, you're here to be the, you know, the, I mean, otherwise, you know, I could be going off on all kinds of tangents about voting fraud and how great Knight Rider is. That would be the podcast. You in, have to bring me back on track. In the end, I did start working with you as your American buffer. So I think it makes sense. I fit into this role to like keep things going on the Did You America path. Yeah, until I, a little joke for people who live in the great state of Texas. Uh, but this is actually true. This happened. And still, uh, until I met Jeremy, when I first moved here... I was calling Bucky's Buseys. Yeah, that's not correct. No, I'm, I'm aware of that now. But by the way, anyone who uh, you know thinks that Texas sounds awesome because it is, maybe we've convinced you uh, through this podcast. Um, if you do come to the great state of Texas for any kind of road trip, um, Bucky's, Bucky's, this is how awesome Texas is. Bucky's is basically just a chain of gas stations that exist on the highways in Texas, but because everything is bigger and better in Texas, those places are like a tourist attraction. The locals will literally tell you, oh my God, you have not been to a public restaurant until you've been to a Bucky's. They're the best. I prefer shitting at Bucky's than my own house. Uh, you are not the first talent, a Texas person who said that, right? I'm a disgusting bathroom. <laughs> um, I did a, a nice thing on the weekend. Uh, it's a tradition that I've, I've kept up uh, since the age of, I think I was about six or seven. First band I ever got into were ACDC um, because the boyfriend of one of my aunts at the time left some cassettes uh, at our house. Um, you can Google cassettes if you don't know what I'm talking about. But, Come on, man. Yeah, okay, yeah, look it up. Um, it's how people used to listen to music in the eighties. You mean you mean like CDs before? Well, were they before CDs? Nothing I, I came should... before CDs. <laughs> I don't know if cassette. I think no. I think cause there was vinyl, then cassettes, and then CDs. I think. I think that was the order. Sounds right. Anyway, he uh, yeah left some ACDC cassettes, and um, so I started playing them when I was about six, and then I and then I discovered record stores where you could flip through the the sleeves of vinyl. You can Google that as well. And uh, saw the cover of If You Want Blood, You've Got It, which is where Angus Young from ACDC has got, it's like the guitar is impaled on his chest and there's loads of blood. And me as a six-year-old is like going, this looks amazing. The man's got a guitar through his chest and there's blood everywhere because that's the cover of the album, right? That's how you market to children. Uh, exactly. You want to get a six-year-old into your music? That is the kind of cover you should be producing. <laughs> so anyway... It got me into ACDC and it's been, uh, you know, they were the first band I ever discovered and, and they were the first band I ever bought uh, a, an album by after hearing their older albums. 
um, via my aunt's boyfriend at the time. And the reason I'm telling you all this is that it's a great, I, I love the fact that they're still around and they're releasing new music. So ever since I've been a fan of music, I've bought a new ACDC album whenever it's been released. And they put out one called Power Up on Friday. So over the weekend, I drove to a record store. I used Google Maps to find where one was. And uh, I went and got the new ACDC album, even though I've been streaming it for for the, the previous two days. I still actually wanted to go, and I haven't got a job, by the way. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> I should be I should be saving my money, but I wanted to stick with the tradition of still buying a physical ACDC album. And uh, and, I, and I went to a record store and bought it. I feel good about that. Now, did you go to the record store that you trashed on this podcast a few weeks back, or is that one done? No, I told you, I haven't got a job. I can't afford the gas to get all the way to Flower Mound. <laughs> That's too far. I, I had to budget. Right. If I'm spending the money on a, on a new CD, I needed to go to a closer record store because otherwise it would, it's going to be too much gas. The one observation I do have from going into a record store, though, is, um, first of all, there were quite a few people in there, which is you know good for, for businesses uh, getting back on track in these, in these difficult times. But then I started to realize that I think because uh, they, although they had CDs, the big thing of this place is called Good Records is they sell a lot of new and used vinyl, right? And I was looking around, thinking to myself, is vinyl collecting the slightly cheaper version of now being an art collector? Because although it's not as expensive as collecting actual pieces of art is, some of the box sets that they were retailing on their upper shelves were pretty, and, and they're on the upper shelves, so you can't actually get to them. You know, if you go to the uh, grocery store, they lock away the really expensive liquor, right. so you can't you can't steal that. The more expensive box sets are on the upper shelves, and here's my point. They had a couple of solo Keith Richards box sets up there. Ow. Right. I mean, I, so... Isn't a box set, like, where you can take multiple albums and sell them as one? Right. Well, this is my point. So the first Keith Richards box set that catches my eye, not a used copy of one of his solo albums from the 80s. This is a new reissued version of one of those albums in box set form. You know, that's how Keith speaks. Imagine how he sings. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> but, but worse, right? So first of all, I've never really understood people that are into solo Keith Richards. I get that he's the guy from the Stones and I love the Stones, but there's a reason why he plays the guitar and Mick Jagger sings, right? Now, I saw the Rolling Stones a few years back at AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. And the emptiest you have ever seen that stadium is when they decide to let Keith sing a few songs. Right, Mick's need, Mick needs a breather. And so Keith, Keith's going to sing for you now. And then for the next 10 minutes, it's literally... Out of key with whatever the key is they're playing the actual song in, right? I love that song. So anyway, imagine. <laughs> so I said, you got a Keith Richards box set. Yeah, are you interested? I said, well, probably not. He goes, let me have a look and see how much it is. For a Keith Richards studio album box set, $175. What? How? And then this is where it gets even more bizarre. And this also makes me think that uh, vinyl collecting is the new art collecting. In much is the same as, in a lot of cases, the more, to my eye, crappy the piece of art looks, the more it's worth, <laughs> right. right? 
So $175 if you want the box set of a Keith Richards studio album. Then the guy behind the counter says, oh, we've got the new live Keith Richards box set. Because, of course, Keith Richards sounds even better when he's singing it live. So if you want the live Keith box set, $198. Okay, Keith, Keith has officially hit hard time. He's selling his <laughs> solo work box set for those prices. And again, I'm a, you know, I'm a capitalist and uh, it served me well. That's why I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I'm all for, uh, ever since the pandemic, I've been all for businesses reopening as safely as they can. And, and I love music, you know, as I said, this is why I was there buying the ACDC thing, because it's something I've always done since I was a kid. So when you see a record store that's doing okay business, because, you know, music is someone's leisure time, that, you know, that that's a great thing. But I gotta say, who the hell has got $200 to spend on probably eight pieces of vinyl of Keith Richards singing live. Not even Keith Richards, <laughs> which is why he's selling it for two hundred dollars. <laughs> it really, it really did uh, fascinate me. So yeah, so I did that over the weekend, but um, clearly didn't have as much a, a, of a fun weekend as one of my friends. Now, in the interests of uh, keeping things confidential, I'm going to call this friend of mine John. His name isn't John, but I'm, I'm just going to uh, protect him anyway. Um, he sent me, and he's basically sent it. He sent it to a bunch of us. So I don't know if he knew I was going to end up talking about it on the podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, he sent a bunch of us um, a photo of a. You call them a goodie bag in the states. That's what we call yeah. them in England, right? Like a, a goodie bag, a doggy bag, like you would have if you yeah. get to, if you don't finish your meal. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, something he got given over the weekend, and. Um, where, yeah, we need to we need to discuss this. So when I saw him after he sent me the photo, the way that he set the scene was that he'd been out to some bar, I don't know where, um, on a Friday night where there may or may not have been some sort of illegal activities going on. And a random guy who he didn't know at the bar said to my buddy John, not really called John, do you want to get high? And John goes, no, 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 I'm not into that. At which point... <laughs> This guy goes, oh, well, take one of these anyway. And it, it basically, it looks to me like sort of the tasting menu that you would get at a new restaurant, but for different types of drugs. <laughs> and so for the next segment in the Did You America podcast, I'm going to hand over to Jeremy, who is the head of drugs on, on, on this podcast to analyze what can you do? Now we're going to do theater of the mind here. What describe that photo to our listener? Okay, so we have a plastic Ziploc see-through bag. In it, we have immediately the first thing I'm so intrigued by. It's a single cigarette, but it's it's being held in a plastic container, showing that that cigarette was definitely dipped in some form of drugs. I'm gonna go ahead and guess PCP. Right. So that's the that's the first uh, <laughs> alarming. Generally, uh. You all just hand people PCP. You gotta know that they're into that. You know what I love about this? Uh, this is like in the, if you watch any of those 80s cop shows where they do a drugs bust, they'd always lick their finger and then stick it in the powder and confirm right. it was cocaine or heroin. This is our modern day version of that. You're looking at this photo and going, okay, so the cigarette has been dipped in PCP. What's the next item in the goodie bag, Jeremy? <laughs> well, the next item, it's either a gold bag full of cocaine or it's a clear bag full of gold cocaine. Right. This 
<laughs> this particularly intrigued me. Um, I've been around some drugs in my time. I cocaine is generally white, right? <laughs> yeah. Not who's doing so. This guy's coke is so high end. He's giving away free samples of coke. By the way, kids, drugs are bad for you. We're not yeah, recommending sure. you should do them. But gold cocaine? Yeah, you would think gold cocaine is like, well, the gold standard of drugs. But I've I've seen plenty of cocaine in my days. I've never seen it in gold. That might be meth. Gold cocaine might just be meth. We don't know. Scarface never had gold cocaine. No, that's what I'm saying. You would think like the best cocaine would be gold, but this looks terrifying. If they re if they reboot that movie, the scene at the end where he just buries his head in like a mound of cocaine, it's just so much good. Should it be gold? Apparently, they've got some great stuff around DFW now. Right. Well, the other thing that's kind of throwing me off is so there's something that's wrapped up in plastic, and there's like a stick poking of it that would make it look like a lollipop. So you would think edible. But, like, the part in the plastic just looks like soupy heroin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if heroin can be soupy or if you can have it in lollipop form. You know, but this guy has it. The, 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 the irony to all of this is that the same friend, John, not really called John, um, about two weeks before this, a bunch of us were meeting for brunch. And on this particular day, he was so hungover, he went to McDonald's to get a Happy Meal because he needed some food on the way to eat food, right? <laughs> We've all so, been there. So it, so it became a running joke between the bunch of us that were brunching that, uh, that John brought a McDonald's Happy Meal to the diner. And then two weeks later, he sent us this picture and goes, so I didn't touch any of this, but I want you to know I managed to find a different kind of Happy Meal tonight. And I, and and and, and then you know, and I, I, so I saw him for brunch again this weekend, and um, he said, uh, you know, he gave me the backstory that you know, basically he said, no, 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 I'm not into it. And so the guy, I guess, who's the, the dealer to the bar, said, oh, take this away. The other thing I love as well is that the guy who's the dealer clearly had a good setup going because not only is he giving away doggy bags with potentially gold cocaine in it, right? <laughs> he also said to John, who's not called John, oh, by the way, if you decide that you'll, you, you want any stuff, you can get me via the doorman. Oh <laughs> like the God. doorman of the bar is the hookup to the guy who's got the goodie bags. What great customer service. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's two more things in this bag that intrigue me. One, it looks like uh, half of a weed grinder, you know, what you like break up right. the flour with. But for some reason, it has like a piece of yarn tied around it. And this isn't like for you potheads out there, like the hemp wick that like you light instead of like lighting the weed, you use that because it's hippie healthier. It's just like a random piece of country yarn thrown in there. <laughs> and then the other thing for your drug fun, it looks like there's just a yo-yo in there. Like he, that's his happy meal. He gave you the toy. You got your nuggets, <laughs> you got your fries, here's your yo-yo. It's exceptional customer service. I mean, I, 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 that was also my takeaway from this. I mean, you know I'm America's biggest fan. That's why we started this uh, Did You America podcast. And um, customer service is something which is always at the forefront of any successful American business. Customer service is virtually non-existent in Shitsville. That's the UK. And from this, I just say, well, wow. 
even the drug dealers have the most awesome customer service because that's what drugs are bad kids don't do that yeah but that is awesome customer service yeah i mean did john get this guy's number because like no i told you you don't get his number you've got to go speak to the doorman at the bar i'll be right back (laughs) it is it is pretty awesome uh before we move on to the um uh the song of the week results uh one thing i do want to deal with today um in you know in the in 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 terms of having some balance to this podcast because it's not not just jeremy that brings the balance even though 99 percent of the time all things are better in america even the efficiency and customer service of drug dealers as we've just discovered there is one thing that is better in the UK, and I don't understand why America doesn't do it. And uh, it came up again today because I saw an article from the UK's Sun newspaper about this. Why, oh, why, America, do you not have Christmas dinner pizza? Or even to make it more American, Thanksgiving dinner, because the Christmas dinner in the UK is basically the equivalent to the Thanksgiving dinner um in the US and in normal times when there's no pandemic family get together all the same things happen for christmas dinner that americans would do for thanksgiving dinner but in the uk for a limited time and i, be- I believe it begins uh, as of today it used to just be papa johns but it's obviously so popular pizza hut are now jumping on it you can get a christmas dinner pizza so what what all comes on the pizza? Is it like, do they just mishmash all types of, is it like mashed potatoes, ham, turkey, green beans, like anything you could possibly get yeah, I for mean, a big holiday meal? Yeah, I mean, it probably won't include everything that's on your family table, but the essentials that you would find on, you know, let's call it a Thanksgiving table for, for American sake, the turkey, the stuffing, um, some of the veg. I can't remember because it's been a while since I've had it, but I, I have a feeling that they might, rather than cheese, they might have mashed potato. That, that sounds, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's basically, um, you know, you know how on the Thanksgiving uh, meal, they'll have the bread rolls, yeah. right? Well, imagine the, rather than the bread roll, you've got like a huge pizza and then everything that you would have for your main course with the dinner is, is on top of the pizza. And it is, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm just, just going to say this now. I'm not going back to the UK this Christmas um, because of COVID. Generally, I go back to Shitsville uh, for Christmas. And I've always said it's to see my family because it's the only time I really miss the UK and I like being with family at Christmas. I'm just going to come out in a minute now. It's because I miss these pizzas. <laughs> it's the only reason. I tell you, last weekend, I was FaceTiming one of my nieces and next to her, my brother-in-law in Shitsville was uh, putting in a, an order for the family to get Papa John's. And I went, oh my God, are they doing the Christmas pizza? And he goes, no, 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 Ian. They're, 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 not, they're not doing it yet. And so it's exciting this year because it was always a Papa John's thing. And now Pizza Hut are in, into it as well. Oh, by the way, they've got a... Um, a red wine gravy as part oh. of the IC, right? I gotta say, as an American, I feel shame right now. I feel shame that this wasn't our discovery. Our greatest pastime here in America, it's no longer baseball. It is taking one delicious food and combining it with another delicious food. Right. You would think that 
Thanksgiving pizza would be much like meat lovers pizza or Mexican pizza. You've already put hot dogs on pizzas at Domino's. I've seen that. It's like we can figure out how to turn a taco shell, a Doritos into a taco shell, but we can't figure out how to properly put mashed potatoes on a pizza. Shame, America. Shame. It really is. I mean, I always used to say uh, people would say, surely you miss something about Shitsville. And my standard answer is I miss about 10 people and cucumbers. <laughs> Wait, why cucumbers? Again, brace yourself. I'm about to say something controversial. The cucumbers in England are better than they are in America. Ooh, shots fired. Well, no, if you go to um, Sprouts, uh, sometimes they have specifically labeled English cucumbers. If I if I'm in the market for a cucumber and they don't always have them, if they don't have it, it's the only time I go and look for anything English. I mean, you know me; I just want to stay away from it. Right. If I'm somewhere where another in a, in in a proper country and another English person shows up, I'm literally like, could you move down to the like like people are with like COVID distance. Yeah. I, I've been like that. I've Get been out. like that. I've been like that with Brits my entire time <laughs> of living in America. I think we need at least ten feet between us. Could you fuck off, basically? <laughs> uh, so th- that's you know that's my general um, response to anything British that I encounter in the states, apart from cucumbers. And I, it's something that they're fresher. The texture is better, and even visually. Um, What's that green vegetable that looks a little bit like a cucumber? Zucchinis. Right, those. The amount of times I have picked up what I thought was a zucchini, and this isn't me slamming sprouts, it could be anywhere that's uh, in the vegetable section, um, where I think that I've picked up a zucchini, but it's actually a cucumber. It's like they're, um, they're transforming, they're transitioning. Like your your American cucumbers are so off. <laughs> a lot of the times, I pick up an American so called cucumber, and I think it's transitioning into a zucchini. <laughs> but I tell you this: that if you pick up an English cucumber, you will never think that it's anything other than a cucumber. And I know maybe I'm not being woke enough about it, <laughs> but I'm telling you that the the English cucumbers are better. So is this why in America we turn all of our cucumbers into pickles? Because they're just not good otherwise. Yeah, if you don't leave them soaking in something <laughs> right. and then basically give them to yourselves as an additive for some sort of alcohol that tastes so repugnant anyway, you can't bear it without having something else on the side. Yeah. Um, in America, cucumbers are either future pickles or slices for massages. I, right. <laughs> and I have never, ever, ever considered turning my cucumber into a pickle if it's an English cucumber. It's It's... It's it's great. So, um, how did we start? Oh yeah, because the two right, the two things that I miss <laughs> when people say to me, I, it's "Surely there must be something about Shitsville that you miss." My standard answer: about ten people and cucumbers. Have I? Have I? Have, do we now understand? Yeah, the, but okay. now you have to add a third, which is Christmas pizza. Well, yeah, but the, see, the thing was, I never put Christmas pizza on the list because it's seasonal and because. I would always be back in Shitsville when they were doing the Christmas pizza. Well, right? now that we're announcing it here, America, step your game up. We can officially make the Christmas pizza 
even better. It's our it's our million dollar idea for this week's podcast, Christmas pizza. I can't believe no one's ever thought about it. We're about to Brussels sprout Christmas pizza. That it, yeah, that, see you see you thought that uh, pizza was yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, before we get into the song of, song of the week. Um, did you know, this is another thing that's very strange, and this isn't a better thing, this is just a strange thing I've noticed. In England, because Pizza Hut are one of the places that are doing the uh, the Christmas pizza, Pizza Hut is a sit-down restaurant experience. That When I first came here and realized that Pizza Hut was just takeout or delivery, and because uh, remember last week on the podcast, I was saying that quite rightly, I was um, ridiculed by Americans for trying to eat a giant-sized hamburger with a knife and fork. Right. You Pizza is, is you eat it with your hands, yeah, yeah right? Not in the, the UK. You go to Pizza Hut and it is a, it's like Olive Garden in terms of the restaurant vibe, that, that kind of thing. Someone will take you to your table. You will sit at a table. They will bring out pizza and you will dine on that pizza using a knife and fork. Oh, that's just wrong. Right. Okay. Now, that may be true, but Pizza Hut are the ones that are doing Christmas pizza at the moment. So I, if I had a Christmas pizza, I feel like I would have to because there's so much stuff on it, like maybe... I'd cut a slice off of it, but no. If it's pizza, if it's pizza, you fold it up and you shove it in your mouth. I don't know if you can fold. I, I, your the efficiency with which you could fold would be very inefficient with that much stuff. I mean, imagine how imagine how your Thanksgiving plate gets piled up. Right. Imagine that. I mean, I guess. If you were good at origami, you could maybe figure out a way to funnel it into your gob. <laughs> maybe. Like if you could if you could origami the slice of Christmas pizza, there might be an angle at which you could do it without, you know, too yeah. much spillage. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But you know, we actually do have some of these sit-down pizza huts still in America. You just have to you gotta go to like the middle of nowhere to find them where it's like this is our only pizza. And there, they do it like buffet sit-down style too. Right. But I don't think anyone's using a knife and fork. It's more just like, give me unlimited slices so I can shove them down my gullet. Wow. I didn't know that they, they existed. I, I mean, they, they, unless Pizza Hut wants to sponsor Did You America, there are much better places to get pizza in a proper country than Pizza Hut. Unless they want to sponsor this show, in which case they're fucking great. But, um, <laughs> but uh, on occasion when I have gone to a Pizza Hut for a, a slice, just to wind them up, uh, I'll say, hey, you know where I'm from in the UK? You're like an olive garden. Someone would be taking me to a table, getting me a knife and fork. We'd be dining for about an hour, maybe ordering dessert from a menu that someone will serve us. And the people at Pizza are like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, sir, don't tell us about other pizza huts. What do you want and get out? And then I say to them, you know what? There's a thing called Christmas pizza as well in the UK. And they're like, all right, we're about to 911 you. Like, <laughs> like you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, song of the week. It's at didyouamerica.com slash song. It is where you can vote for the best new songs as chosen by Jeremy, New York producer, and myself. The results from last week. New York producer, Heartbreak of America by Lovely the Band coming in with 33.3%. Wait. Oh, no. 
Well, well, I've already just I've already given you one. Well, at first I thought like, oh my god, maybe this means that like I had a third of the vote, and then I realized like, oh no, that could be that you got two thirds, and I got zero once again. Jeremy's choice: "You'll Never Walk Alone" by Brittany Howard. Four point two percent. You don't have ears, people. I think you were uh, you were doing better midway through last week, <laughs> and uh, so I win with uh, genocidal humanoids, the new system of a down song with sixty two point five percent. So uh, we'll get into part two, and then we'll set up the new songs of the week for your votes. But don't forget, not only can you vote for the song of the week, uh, you can listen to old episodes and also. Order one of our fantastic Did You America t-shirts. Um, it comes with the word America in the brightest red, white, and blue colors you've ever seen. It's got a label that says Canfield, America, fuck yeah. Woo. I know. Um, and they are also available on the website, didyouamerica.com. We've got to sell out of these before we get our new range of merch, which is going to be Did You America Candles with the scent of freedom. All right, let's set up the new song of the week choices. These are the three tracks that uh, you can vote for. Um, we'll uh, send out some stuff on social media if you follow me on uh, Instagram or Twitter, or you can vote didyouamerica.com slash song. Jeremy. Which song would you like to lose with over the next seven days? Well, the song that you guys won't be picking this week uh, <laughs> comes from CeeLo Green. He uh, he had a rap group back in the day, Goody Mob. They have gotten back together and put out a new album this week. So the song I picked from their album is Off Road. It's the least rap hip hopiest of all the songs. So I figured I'd throw that one out there, but it's still a good one. It's a... Uh, reminiscent of older South rap. You might like it. You probably won't. Off-Road by Goody Mob. Uh, Jeremy's Choice, didyouamerica.com slash song to vote for that. Uh, New York producer is going for Lonely Machines by uh, 303. Uh, he just makes these choices every week, just like shockingly Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Think, right? <laughs> there's, always a, there's always a slight hipster vibe to his. Right, exactly. And uh, I am going to choose one now. I was going to go for an ACDC track because I was, you know, I, I bought their CD. I bought a CD, everybody. Whoa. Uh, but I'm not. I'm going to go for um, this outfit called Suspect 208 that are kids, uh, the kids of uh, members of Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses, and Metallica. So um, I remember reading that the kids had a band a while ago and didn't think anything more of it. Uh, but um, it's Slash's son. Uh, the son of uh, Robert Trujillo from uh, Metallica and Scott Weiland, um, STP's singer, um, his kid is singing the vocals. And there's a definite um, similarity between uh, the kid and his late dad. Like he's, it, it sounds like Scott Weiland singing a song. There's even a few like, hey, hey, that he did a lot with STP and uh, Velvet Revolver. Course. Right. So what'd you say the band name was? Our Dads Do Heroin? Yes, that's what they're called. Um, and, and their new album is called Would You Like a Goodie Bag? And the artwork <laughs> has been done by the guy that we discussed in part one of this podcast. That's actually right? the picture you sent me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the kid said, listen, arguably drugs killed my dad. I'm only doing coke if it's the golden stuff. <laughs> I don't think that's arguable. <laughs> well, drugs killed his dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, 
The sad thing with Scott Weiland was, I mean, I don't think he was clean living by any stretch of the imagination, but when he did die, I don't think he was in the worst throes of addiction. I think the body just went, look, I've had enough. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, um, so the kids have got this new band called uh, Suspect 208, and they've got a song called Long Awaited. So that is what I am going for this week. My choice, Long Awaited by Suspect 208, Jeremy's Choice, Off-Road by Goody Mob, and New York Producer's Choice, Lonely Machines by 303, uh, you can go to didyouamerica.com slash song to vote for those songs or uh, look out for uh, the votes on my social media and you'll be able to vote for the rest of this week. Are you shocked, Jeremy, with the news that Michael Jackson is still the top earning dead celebrity? Um, I'm actually not. He's the king of pop. You know, sometimes uh, as time passes, people are can separate the artist from the music a lot easier. I uh, I think that's true. The thing that always um, surprises me with Michael Jackson is there seems to be a cycle of because uh, it's one thing if you can separate the the artist from the music, but there seems to be a cycle within American culture whereby there will be periods of time where to certainly the States, maybe the world as a whole, Michael Jackson is an absolute pedophile and no one should ever listen to his music again. And then we get out of that cycle and everyone forgets about it and suddenly everyone's listening to his music again and you get this sort of like celebratory news that um, he's still making someone loads of money. An estimated 48 million dollars is what michael jackson is meant to have uh, have accumulated over the past 12 months like for example i remember um w- you know when he was in court or he paid not to go to court whatever it was there was a lot of uh, doubt cast over the character of michael jackson during that period right, right? um and then people sort of forgot about that but he was still sort of not um Nowhere near as highly regarded as he was in the past. And then when he died, it was like we all forgotten about everything that went before. I, I remember I was doing a morning show in Shitsville at the time in London, and he died late one night, UK time. And my program director at the time called me to wake me up. And I was going, what? Unless you're calling me to fire me, you're not going to have a very good show in the morning if you're calling me at midnight and I'm on air at 6 a.m. Like, this is me talking to my boss. What do you want? Right. And he's, by bearing in mind, I'm on an alternative station in London, right? So, you know, we don't play any Michael Jackson. And he goes, Michael Jackson's died. And I said, and? He goes, well, we got to get a consistent message because the company owned a lot of different radio stations across all of our stations. And, and, and so I'm now wiping the sleep away from my eyes. And I think I said to him something like, are you fucking kidding me? You're treating this as if the Queen of England has died and the message needs to be consistent on the alternative station like it does on the top 40 station, on the AC station. And it, it was like that. Everyone went into some sort of obituary procedure. The top 40 stations or anyone that did play Michael Jackson went to playing at least one Michael Jackson song per hour. God knows how many times the alternative station played Smooth Criminal by Alien and Farm. I think that was on the hour and on the half hour, right? right? You probably got that one like 12 times a day. And I was forbidden. 
Oh, because the guy said to me, the, the, the program director, he goes, well, you know, we're kind of up the rotation on Alien Ant Farm, blah, 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 blah. And then he said to me words to the effect of, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, you were going to handle it responsibly. And I said, so you don't want me to go when he's dead, blah, 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 blah. So have we all forgotten about the pedophile claims? And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I don't want you to do. And so... But I think I'm right in saying, right, when he died, it was suddenly like he's the king of pop and we're going to play his music all day long and everything that had been alleged before, we forgot about. Yeah, it's weird with Michael Jackson because you can really see, like, a wave of popularity throughout, like, I guess the last, like, 15, 20 years of his life. So, you know, when during that second court case, you know, he had, like, a record low Q rating, yet he was still one of the most popular musical acts of all time. And you would see, like, when he would be in the news, you know, people would cancel him. And then as the news cycle quickly gets out of that, he would immediately become successful again. So before he died, you know, sure, like, he was kind of, you know, still on the downswing. Right. But he was attempting a comeback. You could see that the love was starting to come back up. Well, my theory uh, about that is that his people killed him because it was way better for their business because around the time he died he was meant to be doing it was something ridiculous like 50 50 40 or 50 shows at the o2 which is kind of london's madison square garden and there was just no way that he was going to be able to do one show let alone that many uh, someone who i worked with hosted the press conference where they announced the shows and michael jackson was there and I spoke to this guy afterwards. And I mean, you can see the footage that was on, you know, was beamed globally around the world. And he just said to me, it, like Michael Jackson, it was like he didn't know where he was when we were doing the press conference. And, you know, I think he just about made it to the little podium that, that he had to stand on to go, hee hee, ah! I don't even think he managed that much. Dude, that right? was a perfect Michael Jackson. <laughs> I, should, I should have said, I'll, I'll step in. Right, I'll step this. in. Uh, by this point, he looked as white as I do. So, you know, put a dark wig on me. You might not notice any difference. All of a sudden, you put on that red leather jacket. And you're like, that kid looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But the point being, um, he does this really just chaotic press conference. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the putting on a performance at the press conference, and he was never going to actually perform, but just kind of turn up and be Michael Jackson to say, yeah, I'm going to do 50 shows. That almost didn't happen. So there's no way the shows were going to happen. And I've always had this theory that uh, if he didn't manage to do the shows, there would have been just ridiculous insurance issues. And I think that it was decided, and this is pure conspiracy on my part, but I think it was decided somewhere, well, we basically just need to kill him now because otherwise we're going to have to pay out a fortune for these shows that he's confirmed that he can't do. Also, anytime anyone dies who's in entertainment, their stock rises because right. death sells. But thirdly, they probably saw these waves of popularity. He basically goes from popular to pedo. That was the wave with Michael Jackson, right? right? He'd either be popular or there would be a period of time where everyone thought that he was a pedophile. So I think people thought, well, he's kind of back to popular now, but there's going to be a wave of pedo coming. So if we kill him as well, we can kind of keep that contained 
And and it and it and it kind of works because as soon as he died, as I said, it was like the Queen of England that died, and everyone went into obituary. And then we didn't get back, we didn't leave popular and get back to pedo until those HBO documentaries about twelve months ago. Right. Like I think Michael Jackson's the perfect clash of nostalgia and cancel culture. Right. So you know, like you said, when that documentary came out, everyone was ready to cancel him again. Radio stations were dropping him, even though he was. You know, one of their most popular artists. Program directors at that time were painstakingly going through their playlists, removing all Michael Jackson songs because those document, whatever you think about the content of those documentaries, whether you believe it or not, they swayed public opinion so much so that program directors across all of America thought that it would look terrible for any of their stations just to be playing a Jackson song. But that's that's where nostalgia clashes with it, because now that he's gone, people are only going to hold on to the memory of his music and the memory because they didn't have personal experience with him unless he was those two kids from the documentary. Right. But so the you know, most people are going to forget about that. We're going to forget about the things that he did and they rather just listen to his music. It's the same thing like, OK, look at all the people who were canceled or me too in the last few years i think the one that most people say like not everyone agrees with should happen is probably louis ck right but still he his career is nowhere to the point of where it was when he did get canceled but i guarantee you if louis ck died tomorrow he would be talked about as if he was one of the great philosophical minds of this time do you think every time louis ck hears michael jackson on the radio he just goes I just masturbated. This guy was sleeping with kids and a fucking monkey, and he still gets played. I think it's like every article you're ever going to see about that era is going to be like, yo, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, and then Louis C.K.'s name will come up a little bit. God damn it! I didn't do anything. Sure, it was a little creepy. It is It is intriguing as to who does and, and doesn't get cancelled, because obviously there were some people that, that uh, did terrible stuff and deserved to be cancelled. But then you've got people that did stuff that, you know, wasn't nice and was probably something that shouldn't have been happening, but was kind of accepted back in the day. Right. And there's very different standards as to who gets cancelled or doesn't get cancelled for the, the lesser stuff. Like, for example, Ellen gets a load of bad publicity this year because how she apparently treats her staff. And yet... Last night, the same time that Michael Jackson is being announced as the highest earning dead celebrity, she's on some TV show uh, accepting an award, right? Yeah. And 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 so it's like the industry, and I I, I sort of without knowing really what went on, stood by Ellen, uh, and I don't I never watch her shows, I, I don't care. But my opinion was, if people were genuinely discriminated against, that was wrong. But if people are just being told they're not doing a, a good enough job in what is one of the most competitive industries which Ellen is in, then, you know, that's fair enough. You should probably, if you can't take the pressure, you should probably go do something else rather than a daily TV show, you know. Um, but my point being, uh, we seem to have moved on and forgiven Ellen for being a bit tough in the same way that when allegations came out about Ryan Seacrest maybe not uh, treating some of his stylists very well. And again, I have no idea whether they're true or false. A lot of celebrities who are lesser celebrities got cancelled for way less stuff that was never even proven. 
But in the case of Ellen and Seacrest, I think it's that they bring so much money to the industry that they're in. People go, oh, my God, we can't get rid of them. Just hope that the Seacrest stylist stuff goes away, because, you know, if he's not on 10 billion TV shows, well, I mean, imagine if Seacrest did get me too. You'd, that probably instantly closes down five TV networks. I think those were the two moments that, like, everyone realized that, like, we might have hit an overcorrection. Right. Like, when they're taking the two least controversial people in the world and finding ways to cancel them like who's going to survive that that is true i mean as ryan seacrest even had so much as an opinion in no. any of the media that he's produced he's the perfect vanilla doesn't upset anyone ever person i right? mean aziz ansari literally almost got canceled for going on an uncomfortable bad date like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know yeah that is true but so, that being said Michael Jackson deserved to be canceled. Well, yeah, I mean... He, he just hasn't been. I don't know what Michael Jackson did or didn't do in terms of the most serious allegations, but there's enough consistency in the stories and evidence to suggest that there's some really, or were, some really messed up things going on in Michael Jackson's world. Yeah, I just think it's a lot easier to not get rid of everything that he's done just because he's dead and he's not currently doing it so like it's a lot easier to separate the art from the artist because he's not currently making art so people are way more willing to say thriller is a good song right than say laugh at a louis ck joke about the situation that he's been in right yeah yeah, yeah. but i still reckon there'll be uh you know jackson's people whoever they were their thanksgiving dinner are like Look, 48 million this year. Told you we were right to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think that's a bad theory. They were like, there was this blonde haired guy on the radio that we thought could do the shows and people would think that it was Michael Jackson, but uh, yeah, couldn't be, couldn't do it convincingly enough. Couldn't do the act where he's like pointing out a five-year-old in the front row and giving them backstage passes. <laughs> did, that, did that happen at Michael Jackson shows? I don't know. See, like, I think that might be like a serious issue for old rock stars that we need to look into because there was a, one of James Brown's ex-girlfriends or ex-wives, she came out with a story last year or two years ago that his people actually killed him at the end because they're like you know what we could be making a lot more money not having to pay this guy well james brown really i feel like james brown would have got cancelled if he'd have lasted a bit longer anyway because he's deaf kind of predated all the real serious Me Too stuff. But I mean, James Brown was one of the most abhorrent serial wife beaters that there ever has been. And he, and he just seemed to be forgiven for it yeah. because he got into his 70s or, or 80s or however old he was when he died and could still dance around on the stage. I mean, I saw James Brown play a UK festival and he would have been really old by this point. And it was, I mean, he was still great, although he only appeared for about half of the show. Do you know what they, do you know what they used to do? They would book James Brown. I think it would be a contractual thing that if you wanted to book him, like you, you booked a 90-minute show because that would be how long a headline set was. For the first 20, 25 minutes, there would be people that came on stage with the, they used to wear a cloak, right, right and then throw it off. For about 20, 25 minutes, it would be a succession of people with the cloak over them that you thought were James Brown, but then they throw the cloak off and it wouldn't be. And that was the way, because clearly he was like about 80 something. He couldn't do 90 minutes, <laughs> but they had to provide a 90 minute show. So for the first 
20, 25 minutes, it'd be people and you'd be like, is this him? Is this him? No, not the wife beater. Next. <laughs> and, and then eventually after about 20, 25 minutes of this, the actual James Brown would appear and go, there you go. That's the one who bashed like 20 women into a pole. <laughs> and then you would get like one song and then like an hour of him yelling at his band for getting in there wrong. And kind of the night was just over. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, the, the, but you, you've heard the rumor that they, uh, they had to off James Brown. So yeah. they went to well, see- he, that was the other, what you just described was the other half of the article was the girl being like, oh no, James Brown was a horrible person. So maybe this wasn't a terrible thing that they killed him. Right, okay. right, 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 right. Yeah, I think, you know, they went to a, a psychic, James Brown's people, and this psychic said, mm, I see you've been surrounded by a very, 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 very violent, terrible man. And in, <laughs> and in about 10 years, there's going to be this thing called Me Too, and he'll be held accountable. So hang on, I'm pulling out the next, I'm actually doing this with my eyes closed as if I'm a psychic. <laughs> hang on, I'm pulling out the next card. Yes, it's death. Yeah. I think you have to kill James Brown. And by the way, years later, a similar thing will happen to Michael Jackson. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Get rid of these guys now. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go uh, this week, if you want to um, uh, get in touch with the show, if you have any comments, if you've got any questions, uh, then go to didyouamerica.com. Uh, if you hit message us, you can type to us. If you click be on the show, you can talk at your device and the website will record you and you can actually be on the show. Um, uh, did we mention that um, after uh, a long bit on uh, Knight Rider the other week, uh, Chad sent a great image of me as Michael Knight. That was nice. Yeah, I, I like that. Chad, thank Chad for that. I mean, it was almost like, he found a gif that was a dream I've had so many times because it was it was it was this gif where it's the the backdrop is the Knight Rider kit car and there is my, David Hasselhoff's face that just morphs into mine. It's like I morph between the, the face on the gif morphs between my face, David Hasselhoff's face, and Michael Knight from Knight Rider has appeared in my dreams many times. It well, might, you know, surprise because, you to know. Because you had Halloween PTSD and were never actually able to dress up as Michael Knight for Halloween. Right. Chad was just giving you that. He was. He was absolutely uh, giving me that. Um, Eric wanted to know, uh, why did I give up drinking and uh, how did I do it? We don't actually have time to go into that on today's podcast, but I, I will kind of, my original reason for giving up drinking is because I lost my voice, but there is a whole other story relating to surgeries that I had to have and, and stuff like that, that maybe we'll get into on the Thursday show. Um, but I appreciate your concern, Eric. And it, it's funny uh, that I, when I talk about not drinking, like I didn't stop because I had a, a big drink problem. But a lot of people think that. I, I was arranging with a friend of mine to uh, go to her house for Thanksgiving this year. So we're sorting out the menu. <laughs> One of her questions was, I know you don't drink anymore. So are you okay with uh, bourbon mashed potato? And I'm like, yeah, but bourbon mashed potato sounds great. Like it's not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be crawling across your floor looking for a heroin fix if I, if I have a slight bourbon taste to the mashed potato on Thanksgiving. That's you know? the problem with like when you quit alcohol without being an actual addict is you start feeling bad for not being addicted to it. Like, <laughs> right. I guess I'll just have a drink, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that, there, there is kind of that. But the reason why I wanted to lead into that was, uh, because there's a story today about uh, Perry Farrell that I just want to touch on uh, quickly. Um, he had his voice box removed 
during spinal surgery. And, and maybe I'll go into the story about the surgery that I had to have when I, when I lost my voice, but it, it's nowhere near as grueling as this actually sounds. Because the, the quick version is I had to have Botox injected into my larynx to bring my voice back. I, every time I say this to Jeremy, it makes him go all queasy. I don't like that at the, all. The, amount, the thought of like a needle going into something in your throat, no. Well, would you would you have preferred the Perry Farrell way of getting the voice fixed then, where they no. basically removed, he claims that they removed his voice box, put it on a table, did a bunch of spinal surgery, and then put the voice box back in. Like, what an ego on him. Jane's addiction isn't even that good. Just don't just don't sing anymore. <laughs> There's no more voice box for you. That's an easy fix. Perry Farrell, and, and he said, you know, he's been relatively clean living for quite some time, but the uh, the issues with his spine kind of go back to years of partying and abusing himself. He is quite a tremendous specimen, Perry Farrell, in so much as he's got a very long documented past of doing heroin. And yet he always looked like someone who was going to bring out a fitness DVD. Like he, he, <laughs> right. he didn't even have that heroin chic look where someone's just done so much skag they forgot to eat so they're skinny. He looks like he was in the gym, like as if he'd be shooting up while on the Peloton. <laughs> Honestly, if, if, that's what, if that's what it does to you, Someone get me some cocaine and a gym members. I uh, I've done a few interviews with Perry Farrell, and um, this was when you know after he'd given up the drugs and stuff. So it wasn't like he was wasted during the interviews, but there's something about the amount of partying that he did, where I don't know that it, it's almost as if it's done some permanent damage. I remember doing a an MTV interview with him where you know we've got a crew, so there's cameras and stuff, right, right. in a studio. And he was promoting a solo album. First of all, he was telling me how his project that he wanted to um, take on off the back of the solo album was that we were going to have a satellite party. I think the album was called Satellite Party, which is fine. But he genuinely believed that at some point during his lifetime, we'd all be able to go to a satellite in space and have some kind of a party. Like not go down to the bomb factory and see Jane's Addiction play one of their classic albums in full. We'd all get in some sort of spacecraft and venture to a satellite where Perry Farrell will do a show for us. So what you're saying is essentially Perry Farrell invented Zoom. I never thought of it and like that's that. That's the satellite but... party. Huh. Perry Farrell. <laughs> Good job. See, this is where, I, as I said, at this point, I think he was off the drugs. So I was thinking that he'd just been damaged by them, but I don't know. But I do remember it's a TV setup, right? So there's crew and there's cameras. And he was so into, and it's just me and him on camera, right? right. He's, do, he's the interviewee, I'm the interviewer. He became so animated in telling me the story about how we were all going to go to a satellite to watch him do a show. That at one point he sort of drifted away from me and started explaining in great detail how we were going to get to a satellite to the cameraman, right? <laughs> and, and so he's looking in a completely different direction and the cameraman started nodding because, right? And I had to basically go, uh, Perry, this way. <laughs> like he's, 
He's not part of the interview. Right. He's, he's filming Just us. He's not here. Cut, right? <laughs> and and I would start to think, am I, am I the one who's out of his mind? I need to do, I need to get a reality check for myself from the MTV crew here. Does everyone hear this story about going to a satellite and realize that he's fucking nuts, right? <laughs> because as I said, it wasn't like he was strung out or out of his mind. He couldn't be more in the moment and very enthusiastic about what he had to talk about. But it was like Perry Farrell wasn't living the same existence in that room as the other five people. It sounds like Perry Farrell, like if it wasn't for all the good looks and musical talent, he would be like the homeless guy you see on the street just like talking to himself and you're like, oh, he had one too many hits of ass. Right, <laughs> it is like that. But then this is the other funny Perry Farrell story I have. So that we did that interview and then a couple of years later, he came in for a radio interview, right? And um, we used to have a, a, a coffee machine in the radio station where I worked in Shitsville um, with different types of beans in it. We And, and you could get different coffee. And, um, you know, I, he, I, th I guess he's one of those kind of, uh, you know, addict people who, who gave up the bad stuff and went to drinking a lot of coffee. So I'm walking him past the coffee machine, which is on the way to the studio, and his wife is with him, right? Yeah. And he goes, oh, look at those beans. <laughs> and then he goes over to the coffee machine and you could lift the lid of the top for the different beans, right? And he starts going, oh, smells so good. And the next one, and then started giving me this breakdown of what he thought of the different beans. I'm like, all right, this is fine. He's very, he's very into coffee, this is good. And then as if he was a baby, his wife, puts her arm between Perry Farrell and the coffee machine and goes, Perry, 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 I think I need to check those. Right? <laughs> like, like, like you hear stories that someone tastes a meal before the president eats it right. in case it's got like poison in it, right? So she then basically <laughs> stand back from the coffee machine, Perry, right? And then she then goes and sniffs the different beans and goes, no, 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 no. I don't think they're healthy enough for you. Oh, are you kidding, woman? This man was shooting up skag every day for God knows how many years. He's just extolled the virtues of the different aromas as if he was selling those beans from some kind of market stall. Clearly wants me to pour him a coffee and you're going, no, no, I don't think I don't think it's for you, Perry. I think we need to get more healthy coffee beans than those. I just like that she was like, no, you can't smell these. Who will sing Ben Cot stealing? Let me take the sacrifice for you, Perry. So anyway, the uh, oh. my, my conclusion is it sounds very, very dramatic that he was having spinal surgery and during this they removed his voice box, put it on a table and then put it back in again. But did they, did that voice box get put on a table and then reinstalled in the same way that he was going to have a gig on a satellite? Really? Yeah, that was Perry Farrell's people being like, that was their attempt at killing him. It just didn't work. <laughs> All right, I think we did America. Um, who is the person who wanted to know about my uh, drinking? I've lost the name. Uh, it was Phil. Eric. Oh. I'll get to that story, Eric. Um, 
Maybe we'll do that on uh, on Thursday. Anyway, thanks for listening. Digiamerica.com, the place to go to for old episodes. If you want to vote for Song of the Week, if you want to get the T-shirts, which are excellent quality, please make a sellout of T-shirts so we can move on to Did You America Candles, the scent of freedom. And uh, if you listen in any kind of almost real time, uh, Jeremy and I will be back with another episode uh, at some point on Thursday afternoon. Didyouamerica.com. I think we did America today.